Hi, my name is Patrick Coleman. And I'm Kitty Coleman. And this is Diggin' Bones. We're back. a uh once a month podcast now maybe it longer seems that way yeah uh but we're still at it we're still we're still uh we're still doing it we sure are this doing is a podcast time. where uh, uh a husband and wife duo me and my lovely wife kitty <laughs> review and watch and talk about the uh, early 2000s television show Bones. Mm-hmm. Um, our expertise is that um, we're also writing a mystery novel together. That's right. So uh, it's just sort of another way to explore mysteries and yeah. the way that they're presented. And uh, this is episode 11, both for Bones, the television series, and for us. That's right. Episode 11 is titled The Woman in the Car. The Woman in the Car. Yeah. That's right. This, uh, of course. There was also, wasn't like the first episode Man in the Car? Uh, Might have been The Man in the Car. Um, Wasn't that guy burned? uh, Yes, he was also burned. Sorry. Um, You know, it's the naming trope of all the episodes. Mm -hmm. Does it go every season? It's the so-and-so and and the something and the other? I don't know. We're going to have to keep going to find out. I don't know if it's just the first season naming convention or if it's like all the episodes are the so-and-so and and this thing in a jig. How many years is it going to take us to do all of them if we do one a month? I don't know. I don't know. You guys ready for this? You going to stick with it? It will. We'll probably be dead. Before we finish, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> well, then let's pick up the pace. Well, I'm sure once the kids graduate from yeah. high school, maybe they'll graduate by the time we get through with the first season. Well, we're on episode 11. There can only be like <laughs> at most 10 more, right? Uh, maybe I'm not sure how many are in are in uh, season one. We'll look that up. But we're uh, we're moving right along. And uh, through building these characters here and understanding who they are, um, this episode was uh, conceived, according to the writer, as a way for the characters to um, save a person's life Mm -hmm. rather than, you know, getting a victim and then tracking down a killer. Right. The idea was... Yes, there's a victim, but also there's somebody who's living that they can they can rescue. Mm-hmm. And it was also meant to up the stakes for Booth, so we could see him as a father and also as a badass FBI mm-hmm. agent, a paladin, and as a paladin. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the B story was meant to sort of give us more insight um, as they're interviewed by um, it's not a Homeland Security. 
uh, State Department. State Department. Um, for uh, security, to see if there are security risks. Right. So we learn a little bit more about them. Yeah. Um, I'll just give a quick episode recap. How Do does that it. sound? Uh, so it starts with uh, uh, Brennan um, Bones in a television er- uh, interview mm-hmm. with Wake Up DC. <laughs> um, with a interview, or her, frankly, doesn't seem like she's very good at her job. What a bee. Yeah. Um, of course, Bones is not like the most social person, so the interview isn't going well. Uh, mm-hmm. She's saved by Booth, who comes in and takes her to the body, which is at the core of the mystery. They find uh, a body burnt in a car on the side of the road, and there's evidence that a child has been taken because yep. the child was not in the mm-hmm. car. Yeah, um, There was shoot. no body. Uh, so they take the burned body that is in the car to the Jeffersonian, and through the course of some work, they mm-hmm. discover that she uh, is Russian um, or from that Eastern area, European, Eastern European. And that... And so through that, they track down who she is, that she's that she's married uh, to a man who turns out to be a state witness against a corporation called KBC, which apparently sold faulty body armor to the army and uh, cost the lives of 30 people. Mm-hmm. The supposition here at first is, is that this man, um, whose name is... Carl Decker. Um, the thought is Carl kidnapped his own son at first, but then it's clear that eh, maybe the, these, this kidnapping of his son is being used for leverage. Uh, they find out Carl is in a witness protection program. They, you know, argue over whether they should tell him that his wife and children are wife and child are dead, which is like, I, what? Really? That's a conversation. Doesn't can, make any can sense. Can I interject here for yeah. a second? Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say that the way they find out that he's that Carl Deckard's not the bad guy, um, when they go to his house mm-hmm. and they're knocking on the door and Bones is looking for the window and they discover that he doesn't look like anybody's been there for a while mm-hmm. and then there's like this creepy guy taking pics yeah. on the road and Booth tries to chase him down and smashes the guy's window and and then they're all like drawing guns and stuff and booth yells fbi and then the other guys in the car yell u.s marshals and then brennan says forensic anthropologist (laughs) anyway i thought that part was hilarious and i just wanted to put that in there yeah go ahead with your synopsis (laughs) it was a very funny moment i'm glad it was hilarious you added it yeah um as as we go on through the episode, um, we discover that uh, Carl's child was taken by uh, some sort of uh, South African mercenary. Um, the child's name is Sam. Is it Sam? No, is it? Gosh, I don't know that I ever yeah, looked on the kid's yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, it was Sam. Wow, they don't say his name a lot, but they spend no. most of the episode trying to figure out who he is. Right. So, um, so they they uh, discover Sam has been um, being uh, has been captured by South African mercenaries, 
who have uh, cut off the child's finger at one point to to you know tell them to stop digging. Um, yeah, and that's just fucked up. Clearly, bad guys meant... don't don't cut children's fingers. Right. Don't uh, touch children. It's clearly a threat to <clears throat> Carl, though it's a little bit muddy. But in the end, uh, Booth, using his instincts as a father himself, mm-hmm. uh, tr- and as a sniper, mm-hmm. uh, did, you know, figures out where it is that these people could possibly be. Um, well, the squints help too because the they help, found all yes. the chemicals yeah, in the ear and the yeah. finger and stuff. And uh, in the thrilling conclusion, uh, he goes in with the SWAT team, guns literally blazing. I've um, got stuff to discuss kills, about that. Kills everybody mm-hmm. and rescues the uh, injured injured child. That's right. And uh, that is the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. So, um, where would you rank this in terms of episodes we've seen so far? Oh, this is a really good one. You think I it's feel good? like the writers were fully rested, mm-hmm. fully caffeinated, well fed, and had paid all of their taxes. Yeah. They were like on point. They were ready. Because it was hilarious. There were so many things that made me laugh out loud on this one. LOL. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I don't know it's how okay. it happens. It's all right. Um, we can uh, let's. There's not a lot of relationship stuff in this. Well, I mean, it's a lot of uh, character development, right? And they usually use relationship corner for that. Mm-hmm. But in this uh, in this episode, it's purely the State Department getting all the info. Yeah, and it's not that it's not that they're not. With the, I mean, they interact with each other, but most of the, most of the episode, uh, most of the pieces in the Jeffersonian are, are the characters themselves talking with the State Department to mm-hmm. give a backstory. So we're not learning anything about their relationships with each other as right. much as we're learning about sort of their independent their, relationships. Yeah, their their backstories. Yeah. There is a little bit between uh, Bones and Booth as they talk about parenthood. Yeah. Because in the uh, terrible television interview mm-hmm. that Bones gives, yeah, um, uh, she says, I'm not going to have kids. Right. And, uh, you know, she gets the stink eye. Yeah. The major stink eye. Yeah. Which I'm sure hundreds upon thousands of women get every day right. in America. Right. Listen, folks. You do you. Yeah. I hate that whole judgment on a woman who doesn't choose to have children. Yeah. I mean, my God. Yeah. If you don't want to have kids, I mean, it's don't have kids. It's yeah. It's probably, probably for the best, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. I kind of, yeah, in some ways, I mean, I don't, <clears throat> I don't envy childless couples mm-hmm. necessarily i mean there's days i but certainly do they have a level of of freedom sure and financial autonomy mm-hmm. that you like totally give up as, as a right. parent yep 
And there's times when I see like uh, our ch- our childless friends, like you know, just like we're gonna take a trip, mm-hmm. and it's like, man, yeah, that looks like fun. Yeah, <laughs> but I but, have fun you know, every day with my little guys. So. That's right. They don't they don't get the joy of uh you know um they don't get the joy of yelling at your kid for not doing the chores, so. So, side note, that's been happening a lot at our house. But that's not what I'm choosing to focus on throughout the day. No, they're they're great. I love them. I'm very happy to be uh, a parent. But, yeah, I mean, the, this judgment of women who are, are childless. And, and, and the, why don't they do that to men? Why are men not looked at like psychos if they choose, like, because this they're such a weird. Ugh. Because they're not so gross. Because they're it. not vessels, you know. Oh, and so many men sort of treat themselves uh, as sort of sperm donor type of things, you know. Like, like if a woman gets pregnant and has oh, a child, the yeah, expectation please. is that she'll raise it, right? But you know, there's there hasn't traditionally been the you know social expectation necessarily. That if, you know... Which is changing. It is. But we still don't look at men who say they don't want children... Right. ...with a stink eye. Right. Yeah. It's just like, oh, yeah, man. You be free. Yeah. Be a bachelor. Well, I will say at some point when you are an older man, especially if you're an uncoupled older man without children, mm-hmm. there is a little bit of a stigma there. There's, there's sort of like the, you know, there's sort of like the, uh, uh, the older bachelor type of, you know, side eye, I think that some men get. I mean, I think if their hygiene is lacking, then definitely. Cause then you're like, <laughs> this guy's creepy. Yeah. But I think if he's just like a normal guy, yeah. I don't think, I don't think people are giving him the look well there i think there's also some there's kind of like a a long-standing sort of cultural connotation that your you know uh perpetual bachelor Mm -hmm. um maybe yeah but i feel uh, like that's celebrated yeah no sometimes i think that in in some parts of the u.s they get the side eye because maybe they're you know if especially if they're uncoupled you know if Mm. they're a single older man particularly if they are any way effeminate they will be labeled as gay or suspected to be well homosexual. i mean absolutely we have to tell certain people in my family to knock it off every right. now and again with that kind of stuff yeah i guess yeah so you know there is a little but but it happens when you're older yeah you know and you don't have any kids and you mm-hmm. don't have a partner or, or a wife, mm-hmm. you know, if you're living alone, you know, there's a certain sort of pity or sadness or suspicion, but, you know, it yeah. only happens when they're older, you know, for young women saying they don't want to have kids, it's like absolutely a black mark because I think it's true what Booth says, he says, oh, you don't want to have kids. That means you, people say, people are, you know, assume that means you hate kids. <laughs> It's so bizarre, though. It is bizarre. 
Yeah. Like maybe you're not having kids because you like kids and you don't think that they deserve to be in a hellhole like this. Yeah. Or maybe you feel like if you had kids, you would stop liking kids. <laughs> because you see all your, your friends who've had kids. <laughs> Aging quite rapidly. Who don't, seem, who don't seem like they like kids anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, we digress. It. What's crazy, Booth asks... He goes, is it your first time giving a television interview? And Brennan says, yes, which is patently false. Because he's seen her give a diff- another television well, interview the, in L.A. Well, and she just, the previous episode had one in L.A. with Penny Marshall. Is this another one of those things where they mixed up the No, order? I don't think so. Huh. It doesn't It doesn't say that. So maybe the writers were not they fully just caffeinated. just weren't paying attention. Oh, God. Here yeah. I said they were on point, and now... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she, I mean, not a solo interview. <clears throat> but look, she was there with Penny Marshall. Yeah. When she did her first one. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's where the confusion is. Or maybe, I mean, it wasn't a television segment. It was one of those snap, snap thingies. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe it's just a television show and they got something wrong. And I don't need to be so obsessed with it. <laughs> That's also a possibility. God, how many times do we have to say that to ourselves? <laughs> I don't know. Random stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just the checkouter is having a bad day and I don't yeah. have to be obsessed by the fact that they were snobby. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so that little moment where they're talking about Booth and his kid, I think is interesting relationship building. Sure. Um, you know, because we see where they stand on parenthood, mm-hmm. you know, and she's very much like, don't bring a kid into this awful world. How, how is you as an FBI agent who's seen all the depravity in the world possibly think that it's a good place to have a, a kid? Right. Which is weird to me, actually thinking about Brennan as an anthropologist, because you would think that as an anthropologist, like you would understand that that childhood is dangerous in all times. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. When I like to read about history, part of it is the fact that it brings me comfort that it's always been fucked. Well, yeah. And it's never been a good world for a child. Right. Ever. Right. I mean, it's a better world now for a child than it Mm -hmm. ever has been in the past right you know it's not like roman times where like you know if you couldn't afford your child you would just like literally leave them in a rubbish pile right and hope somebody would like take them Mm -hmm. you know it's it's not like uh it's not like even the industrial revolution when you know children who were eight years old were, you know, put into the cotton mills because they were small enough to work the machinery. Now I've got Penny Fagan stuck in my head again. <laughs> Sorry. Friends, have you ever heard about the horrific murder of Penny Fagan? Uh, I don't know if I have. Have you heard my song? This is like an after-school special or something like that. Yeah, Some no. show I, that I watched I when that I was... I don't know that I've heard it. 
like around 10 or yeah. something like that. And this song has been stuck in my head for 30 Well, let's hear it. Years. <clears throat> Poor little Mary. Oh, it's not Penny. It's Mary Fagan. Oh, See, I had go. to sing it. <clears throat> Poor little Mary Fagan. She went to town one day. She's going to the pencil factory to get her weekly pay. It was about 11. She kissed her mama goodbye. Not once did poor little Mary think she has gone to die. What? Can I ask you a question? What? Is it necessary to be to be sung in that? Twang? It, yeah. That's what it was sung in. When you when you first heard it, or like well, that's a good question. Always? Did I? I don't know. Like, has it always been? Like, is that the tradition for this? Should song? I look it up and see? No, no, that's okay. No, no. So exactly. So like, now it's a safer time than it was for you poor know, little Mary Fagan. Poor little Mary Fagan. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I sounded a little bit better than that. You sounded like you were having a stroke. <laughs> Oh man. No. Um okay, let's move on. <laughs> let's. Uh the body uh the body in this one uh, gross factor. Where are you at? Uh I didn't think that thing they pulled out of her throat looked like an ear. No, not at all. Uh-uh. Um, otherwise, not too gross. No, it wasn't. Just crispy. Yeah, a little crispy, but that was about it. Yeah. I mean, you know, little it just looked like a Halloween decoration. Fleshier in there. I was a little curious, um, how they got earwax out of that ear, because it was the because, outer portion of the ear. I mean, so they said, but it certainly looked more like. A tongue to me. So if you bit somebody's ear off Mm -hmm. and you had, like, you bit the whole ear off, would you get wax from that? I thought wax was like deep. Ear wax was like deep. I don't know. I've seen wax in people's ears. Yeah. And thought, well, that's where the phrase comes from. You got potatoes in your ears. Oh. You've seen, like, you've actually looked at somebody's ear. Yeah. And you've seen wax yeah. in it? Yeah, uh-huh. Really? Yeah, and it looks like a little platter. Whoa. Like a little... Really? Nugget. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that before. Well, I guess I'm hyper-observant. Where have you seen this? How often? I, You know, I never took the time to tally. Did you... Standing in a grocery line in my kid's okay. ear. And right. like just In our kid's ear you've seen wax like that? Well, yeah, we don't use Q-tips on them yet. Oh. Well, you should never use Q-tips on your ears. I know, but I do. Because yeah. I got wax in my ears. You're, I not supposed to, you're supposed to use... Um, no, I guess you're supposed to leave it there. Are you supposed to leave it there? Yeah, I can't do it. Or you can use an ear candle. Those creep me the fuck out. I don't even know how they work. I think it's bullshit. Please don't get upset, fans. 
if you enjoyed them. We have so many three fans. If you enjoy them, I apologize. Yeah. However, I think the wax you're finding in there is from the fucking candle. (laughs) Well, it's not an actual candle, I don't think. You light it on fire. No, it's like a piece of paper or something. Yeah, but it has wax on it. No, it doesn't have... I don't think it has wax on it. Have you ever touched one? I know. I have no idea. No. Mm -hmm. Have you? Yes. I used to sell them at the hippie store I worked at. Okay. All right. Huh. Well, I don't think you should put light anything on fire and stick it in your No. And I also have a very irrational fear that it's just going to... If there is some sort of vacuum that's created, yeah. that it's going to just vacuum out too much. Like your brain? Yes. So I'm going to just stick with the Q-tips. However, I did perforate my eardrum uh, once with a Q-tip. You did? I did. I perforated my eardrum once with a uh, piece of seagrass. Oh, yeah. I remember that story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was really drunk. Mm-hmm. I was I not f- drunk. I, I was fell over. Working. And a piece of seagrass went right into my ear. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I blew... And this was weird. Mm-hmm. If I held my nose and, and like, you know, blew mm-hmm. uh, and closed my mouth, mm-hmm. it would whistle through my ear. Ah! That's creepy. So when I my friend, my friend Ian thought it was hilarious, hilarious because he was drunk. Um, when I perforated my eardrum, I was living in a tent in Alaska. Yeah, and I tripped over a mat. I was walking with a Q-tip in my ear, and I tripped yeah. over a mat. Oh, Ooh, and it went. Thought it was fine though. Whoa! Woke up in the middle of the night yeah. to a bloody pillow, and my first thought was, "You're having an aneurysm." Oh. And then I yelled into the night, uh-huh. if, you're, if you can say the word aneurysm, you're not having one. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so logical. Yeah, it was. Um, but the people who were sleeping in the tents around me did not. They didn't think, think it was. It was a good time to be yelling. To be yelling. Yeah. Did you like show them the blood on your pillow? No. Okay. I, no, I just went to the, walked the two miles to the hospital. Yeah. And then learned that I perforated my eardrum, uh-huh. but also that I had uh, a lot of bronchitis. No, bronchitis, a double ear infection, one in each ear, and um, a sinus infection, and a fever of like 102. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't even know. It was the end of the fishing season, so I was just really <sighs> I thought I was tired. Well, I mean, this is a problem. With you, <laughs> traditionally, it's like oh, I don't feel very good. Oh, well, maybe we should take you to the hospital. Okay. Oh, she's about to die. <laughs> like, how many times do we have to do this with you? <laughs> but that time they didn't say I was about to die. I know, but I just reached said I was the point. Super sick. I've reached the point in our relationship where if you say. I'm uncomfortable or I'm a little he's, bit in pain. Oh. I'm like, it's time to go. Let's go. He's, he's Let's got get such out of here. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, um, just like the rest of my family. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, you didn't do anything wrong. <coughs> um, 
so I'm just puzzled how they get like earwax out of. But apparently, if you can see it all the way on the outside, maybe not. Uh, maybe not that weird. And they do say that the that this mercenary had uh, poor uh, hygiene. Okay, but I mean, if you from your argument, if you're not supposed to be cleaning out your ears, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, it has to come out. And somehow. I mean, well, if you're not using Q-tips, it just starts, it comes out. Yeah. Like it exfoliates itself. So. (laughs) This is the grossest conversation. Like the body, (laughs) the body wasn't gross, but talking about earwax is super, (laughs) super gross. It's like really gross to me. Okay, well, let's move on. Anything that comes out of the head and face, like, it's hard for me to deal with. I'm more of the below the belly button. See, I don't care about that. I'm totally fine with those kind of secretions. Any secretions from the shoulders down, I'm okay with. Even a weeping wound? Yeah. I can deal with that. But anything from the, like, from the shoulders up in the head area, that just... mm. Ugh. It's hard. Weeping wounds. It's hard for me to do. Ever with. since I found out that about the plague mask, yeah, and the reason it's all pointy mm-hmm. like that was because of how bad the pustules smelled. Mm-hmm. And they would put like herbs. At the yeah, they would. Of the they notes. would stuff it with like lavender yeah. and mm-hmm. sage and all those pretty smelling herbs. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's pretty bad. Nasty. Um, we're gonna get into some stuff that's that's a little that's a little funky. Um. Later, when we talk, when we get into science corner, mm-hmm. um, can we talk about that B plot just a little bit? Yes, because the, that B plot was the best with the U.S. Marshal. Yeah. Oh no, no, uh, with, the, with the, State the State Department mm-hmm. wandering around and everybody's reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Um, which which one do you want to start with? What was your favorite reaction to the State Department? Um. It's got to be Hodgins. Yeah, Hodgins for sure. Yeah, and oh, what? So Hodgins is very. I mean, they've 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 shown him to be a conspiracy theorist before, right? But this in this episode, it's well, he's clear t- he starts by saying another man's security review is, or a man's security review is another man's witch hunt. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So he. At first, he's like, "Here it comes." Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna come after me. Uh, and he's like, "I want a lawyer, etc., yeah. etc." Et and then I think the turn is very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're like, very hilarious. When they're like, "We don't want to talk to you." Yep. And he's like, "What? Why?" And they're like, "Because you're not a threat." And <laughs> he's like. No, I'm totally dangerous. I'm totally dangerous. <laughs> Let me tell you how, how like dangerous I am because I've I know so much. I know so much. Oh, they so call him harmless. Harmless, that's right. And not a viable threat. Yeah. Which is so emasculating. To yep. Yep. So he's like, I'm malignant. Emas- yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he says he's malignant, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Because they're like, you're benign. And he goes, I'm malignant. <laughs> yeah, it's excellent. Um, Angela's is pretty good, too. <coughs> Sorry. Angela's is pretty good, too. Um, 
because we discover she has a husband. Yeah. That she married during a fire festival. Uh huh. A fire stick, I think. I think they. Fire stick. I thought she said fire stick. Maybe it was fire festival. No, some sort of fire ritual. Oh. Of some type. Is where she met him. Yeah, I thought she. Did. No, she she asked, did I that? Might... No, she said, did that stick? Yeah, but I think I'm thinking back to future episodes, in which she says, because they revisit this. Uh huh. Um, and I think she jumped a broom. Oh. So I'm thinking. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, she didn't think it was legal and binding. Right. And totally so. is. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, and we also learn she's a globe hopper. Yep. That she doesn't really, she's very much ambivalent about her work at the Jeffersonian. I mean, she's a spitfire, though. She is. Mm-hmm. She is. Um, then we have Zach's interview, which we don't really get anything out of him. No. Just that he's very logical. Mm-hmm. And understands his limitations. So right. So he would ask other people what they thought before yeah. he leaked information. Um, Dr. Goodman's interview is, is okay. Um, <laughs> we... One of my final thoughts is his, though. Yeah. We discover he has a conversational relationship with a earth first sort of eco terrorist yep. type. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that he's very liberal because he gives money to all, all the of places, the, all of the liberal places. Yes. But um, the state department ladies trying to insinuate that they're having some sort of illicit sexual affair. Right. And he says, I think it's a very bad sign when discourse becomes suspect. Yeah. And I fucking love that line. Yeah. And I might want to, I don't know, tattoo it on my arm or something. It's <laughs> hilarious. Jeez. It's the best. Well, they're going after him. I mean, that's what they did to Oppenheimer, right? True. Because he had a communist, right. because he had hey. a communist girlfriend mm-hmm. and they used it against him. Well, that was an illicit sexual affair, though. Well, it was an illicit sexual affair, but... It didn't it was mean not he discourse. was, but it didn't mean he was compromised, right? And if we're to believe Christopher Nolan, there was discourse. They just did it naked in chairs across from each other. <laughs> I think it's so funny when Hollywood does that. I'm like, I mean, I guess there wasn't air conditioning, yeah, back then, yeah. So maybe people did hang out naked more often, but yeah. I always catch a chill after a little while. You know, I want to cozy up. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So I can't have like a whole philosophical conversation. No. I got to... Never mind. Yeah. I was going to go. You know, that's all right. And just... Don't don't go there. You know, I got to put some fabric on. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can't just be naked. I can never be a nudist, I don't think. I, at some point, I have (sighs) to put something over my loins. Yeah. You know? (laughs) That whole... Having to carry a towel with you everywhere you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because. Well, you got to keep the surfaces hygienic. Exactly. But that's why we have underpants. <laughs> so. So if you're a nudist and you're carrying around a towel, are you really a nudist? Well, why no, not just that's put on a I'm pair saying. of underpants? I'm just saying, like, that's gross. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean. 
<laughs> and you know, who's to say that? Uh oh, where are you going with this? That you put the right side of the towel down the second time <laughs> that you used it. Let's just oh. <laughs> No, thank you. You're saying that nudist towels should be color coded with like a, the sitting side, a and, sitting the, side and the and then surface the side. Surf, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe hey, there you go. There's your million dollar idea. Yeah. Nudist towels. So you always know which mm-hmm. side of the towel mm-hmm. your ass has been on. I also think that uh, airport. Speaking of million dollar ideas, yeah. airports need to have nail salons in them because. Ladies are always getting their nails done before they go on vacation. Yeah. But you have to get to the airport two hours early. Mm-hmm. Perfect amount of time for a mani-pedi. <laughs> and to get them dried because you have to just sit there on the plane for mm-hmm. hours. Okay. So you're going to get them dried without getting a thumbprint on them or something. There you go. There you go. When you open your... Um, uh, my boutique. Yeah, when you open your airport uh, nail boutiques, we're gonna be, we're gonna be bajillion so rich. Nails, yeah. Bajillionaires. Oh, let's call it bajillion nails. Bajillion nails. <laughs> <laughs> Great idea. Tm tm. All right, tm tm. That's mine. Um. Okay, that's okay. That's relationship corner. Um. Check. The way they solve this... Oh, let's go to etymology. Oh, let's do etymology. Because you had had some words. Because at some point, they're watching... (laughs) You had some words you didn't understand. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what I was trying to say. At some point, they're watching a video of uh, the dad and his child. Yes. And the uh, dad is teaching Sam. Yeah. How to ride a bike. How to ride a bike. And they're arguing about the significance of watching the video. Mm-hmm. And they're getting into, you know, whether it's psychology or anthropology and so on and so forth. And she, um, Brennan, whoops, hold on a second. Got to get my stuff up here. Says, um, oh, I didn't write it down. Anyway. She says something to the effect of uh, that it's just proxy is more. I can't even say it. Proxies, proxies, proxies and mores. Yeah. And you know, because, I had never heard that the argu- before. Yeah, the argument is is Booth is saying you're using psychology, and she's saying no, I'm just talking about the praxis and mores of this bike riding moment. Yes, which is a phrase. I had never heard of. Right. Now, some of you might be more educated than me, and and that could just be part of your personal lexicon. I don't know that they necessarily go together a lot. So I had to look that up. And uh, praxis is the process by which a theory, lesson, or skill is enacted, embodied, realized, applied, or put into praxis. Praxis. (laughs) Practice. Practice. Yeah. And so so explain that a little bit more. What is that? What it, so nutshell it for me. Well, from a cultural standpoint, everybody learns their processes differently, mm-hmm. essentially, is what 
So the praxis Brand. is the, the process of learning. Yes. And each culture will do that. Do that a little differently. Okay. Yep. And uh, mores, which is spelled just like mores. Mm -hmm. So I totally wouldn't have gotten that. It's, it's a tough thing to Google. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it took me forever. Uh, mores are... They're not the, eels. Mm -hmm. They're, They're not, not eels, you all. They are the moral standard that determines right and wrong. They are not social standards, standards or folkways. And the repercussions for breaking mores can be often severe, such as legal sanctions or even death. Um, and mores depend or change depending on the culture, group, society. And um, are the basis of most cultures' laws. Hmm. So, mores are morals, essentially. Oh. And from a cultural standpoint, they differ. Yeah. Again, different from culture to culture. Right. So, huh. that is praxis and mores. Now, is it praxis or pra praxis? It's probably practice. Praxis, but I keep saying praxis because I want to say practice, which is mm -hmm. a synonym for praxis. <laughs> so it's difficult for me yeah. to say it correctly. Is there is there any uh, idea of where these words come from or what I their roots are? I didn't that deep okay. this time. That's fine. But I'm basing, guessing that praxis was the original... Uh, is where practice came from, yeah. and mores is where morals came from. Okay, so that's that's your, that's your my uneducated and unresearched opinion. <laughs> your guess. My guess. Okay, great. I mean, it guess seems right. Should have dug deeper. They rhyme. But um, <laughs> they don't actually rhyme. Well, <laughs> their roots are the same, which is why I yes am going with. There you go. But they don't actually rhyme. I think that works. All right. Word corner. Word corner. So not technically etymology corner this week. Uh, yeah, that's I'm out fine. of practice and should have gone deeper. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> that's all right. Anyway, um, for the guy who likes to go deep, that's what she said. <laughs> Science corner. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I do have some etymology. Oh, did you look it up, knowing that I wouldn't? Uh, no, not for your words, but no. for for what we're uh, researching. Um, uh, or what's in Science Corner today. So, you okay? I don't know. Yes. Okay. Um, so, part of the crux of how they figure out that uh, the mother was killed by mercenaries mm -hmm. is by not only the uh, uh, pollen, specifically the weeping love grass mm -hmm. uh, from uh, from South Africa, mm -hmm. uh, the pollen that's in the earwax. Oh, uh huh. And also the uh, uh, asbestos from brakes, which right. is in the earwax. And that, so then you've got South African in an auto shop. Mm -hmm. um, with a lead pipe. No, that's not how Clue is played. Um, it's, uh, they, they discover the mercenary bit by um, figuring out that the body looks the way it does 
because it has suffered electrical shock because they're trying to figure out why would the blood coagulate, why would the bones break, um, and why would there be this additional damage um, if it wasn't caused from the fire uh, when the car was set on fire. Mm -hmm. um, They find out she was dead beforehand, um, and they figure out that what it was was electrocution. Um, She was electrocuted by something bigger than, you know, your standard available, uh, uh, like, car battery. Right. Or or even, you know, uh, household electricity. Certainly not a taser. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they discover it was, a, it was a generator because it was, like, 350 volts and some such amps. I right. can't remember exactly what it was. Um, and so... Electrocution, it was key to to saying, oh, well, she was tortured by electrocution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at, electrocution is a pretty common method of torture for mm-hmm. um, for, for mercenaries. Right. Um, you know, you see the bad guys in films using mm-hmm. like a car battery mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Right. Um, so I wanted to look into electrocution. And... So we all we all know this that electrocution is death or injury caused by electric shock. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't a word until it was coined. Well, I'll ask you. How early do you think this word was coined? What year? Give me a year. Take a guess. Or uh, even a cent a century. Well, it would be the 1900s because we didn't have electricity. Okay. Um, uh, Take a stab. 1932. 1932. Uh, 1889. Oh, that's so much earlier than I thought. When the word electrocution was coined, uh, here's the next question. Mm Mm-hmm. What event do you think it was that caused the term electrocution to be used? Somebody being struck by lightning? No. The first use of the electric chair. In 1889? hmm When were lights invented? Uh, I always just associate lights with electricity, but... Yeah, you know, they were using arc lighting um, as early as that. Really? For sure, yeah. Oh, I thought um, that was like in the early aughts of the 1900s. So My the mistake. T- the term, I mean, late late 19th century. Like, weren't there people still in the 20s who didn't have electricity in their home? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I, it, wasn't in, it wasn't in wide use. Certainly the electric grid needed to be built across the United States. But, okay. yeah, there was, there was electricity um, and, oh. and electric light. So I never connected how long that would take. Wow. The term How unwise. electrocution was coined because of the first uh, execution um, in the electric chair. Um, and here and the thing was is so they were trying to find out like what do we call this method of death? And so electrocution is a portmanteau. So two words jammed together. Okay. Um, and it's a portmanteau of 
ele- um, electricity mm-hmm. and execution. Oh. And so they just cut it, smashed together, boom, called it electrocution. Now, it was specifically for death by electric chair, but the thing was is because there were no words that would adequately describe um, uh, an injury from or death from electricity outside of the use uh, Mm -hmm. from the electric chair. Mm -hmm. You know, there was no way we had no word for, for what it was to like, you know, be uh, electrified. Yeah. Um, So it actually bled from, uh, the use in the electric chair no as electrocution into just any injury or death caused by electricity. But its its origin and its root is in um, use of the electric chair. Hmm. Um, so the first uh, recorded accidental death due to uh, electricity um, was when a lighthouse keeper um, was was working with a light, an arc light, um, which is the first early electric light that was you know from the arcing of electricity uh-huh. uh, to create this bright bright right, light. Right. Um, it happened in uh, Lyon, France. Who happened in Lyon? These are four horses. <laughs> For the traveling companion. Uh-huh. And in 1879, uh, this this man uh, touched a 250-volt wire and was gone, just like that. Now, the thing was... What year was it again? 1879. Wow, I was so um, off. I can't believe it. So I mean, I can't believe it. I mean, if I think about the history of Edison right. and, and Franklin and all of that stuff... Obviously, it was much earlier. Now, Edison comes into play with this, too, which is interesting. Um, So, as, like, arc light to light streets Mm -hmm. became fairly widespread in major cities, um, there were were lines which ran voltage at above 3,000 volts from streetlight to streetlight. Jesus Christ. And, you know, occasionally people uh, would come in contact to these lines. Mm -hmm. And the thing that, and it was a ridiculously new way of death. Yeah. Right? Outside of being struck by lightning, this is incredibly, it was incredibly rare to die this way. Mm -hmm. But people would be walking down the street. They'd come in contact with one of these 3,000 volt arc lines. And they would literally. Just fry. Fall, fall dead. Yeah. Immediately. Step in a puddle into a broken leg. Like and there done. wouldn't, and it, and it wouldn't be like, you know, it's not like TV <laughs> where there's like shocks right. and sparks and stuff. People would just step and then heart, fall. Heart done. Yeah. And just fall dead. And so it was this, it was this new mode of death, which they had to figure Did out a word people for. people think that like it was magic? Uh, they might have. <laughs> They might have because death was instantaneous. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But because of these instantaneous deaths, uh, this guy, um, uh, Alfred P. Southwick, um, who was a dentist, uh, he saw these 
you know, he, he saw did these he people who... Did he invent the electric would, chair? He did. Of course a dentist <laughs> is the one who created the electric chair. Of course. <laughs> Actually, the, the design of the electric chair was based on a dental chair. Fuck. <laughs> so What the <laughs> hell? They have been torturing people for decades. Actually, I and like the dentist, you guys. <laughs> I'm just basing this on Patrick's reaction to the dentist because oh, I've always enjoyed going to the dentist myself. Uh, he, uh, Southwick was from Buffalo, New York, so good job, Buffalo. Um, <laughs> I wish you guys could have seen his hand movement when he did. Uh, <laughs> so the, the work gets so he he worked with a group to get it instated as New York's uh, uh, primary form of execution. Mm-hmm. Um which which he did. Uh and the first form uh and it first happened in uh dis- January 2nd, 1889. Uh it became the state form of execution. Um the actual first execution ooh, happened in 1889 so just after that but the thing this is where edison um gets involved because at the time there was something called the war of the currents Uh there were two currents there was alternating current and um there was dc which is direct current um acdc man that's right um and uh, Thomas Edison was the one who was championing the direct current system. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Westinghouse was the person behind the alternating current. Okay. And they were battling because as the nation's electric grid and was, was being developed, one of them was going to have superiority. They were going to be... Loaded. The one who would control that type of current, mm-hmm. uh, the, the electricity in the United States, yeah, and, depending on whether it was and AC now or DC. Absolutely. Now Edison was rich. Edison was very much anti uh, anti AC, um, and so what's interesting is that Edison um, helped the state adopt. Um, AC as the primary form of execution. Hmm. He didn't want DC current used because if AC was used in execution, mm-hmm. they could brand it as the deadly current. Oh. Yeah. Pretty tricky, Edison. Right? Pretty, exactly. Pretty tricky. So, in fact, um, the uh, New York Times editorial um, before the word execution came up or uh, electrocution came up, mm-hmm. they were going to call electrocution being Westinghoused. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> God, uh, that's cutthroat, Edison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not it was only also... going to destroy your favorite current, I'm going to destroy your family name. Exactly. There was also Jesus. a possibility of calling it Jerry Side, uh, because the man um, El- Elbridge uh, Thomas Jerry, who was the New York Death Penalty Commission uh, commissioner, who who said that the electric chair should be adopted, so mm-hmm. could have been Jerry Jerry Side. Um, 
Thomas Edison had his own words for it. Mm-hmm. Um, he preferred the words dynamort or ampermort um, or electromort. Um, None of them really roll off the tongue. They really don't. Electrocution they, just really. Like, yeah, electrocution feels well. Like, like dynamort. Dynamort sounds. Maybe. No. Ampermort is just like way too much of a weird thing to to get in your mouth. But um, the New York Times uh, apparently hated the word electrocution. They thought it was like the worst word, and uh, it says says they they hated it so much they described it as being pushed forward by, quote, pretentious ignoramuses. Oh, my. (laughs) Yeah, so there you go. Sounds like they were in Edison's Um, pocket. Yeah, death from uh, electrocution, um, the main cause is, is stopping the heart. Right. Um, you know, it passes through the body, the electricity passes through the body, um, and it has to reach a certain voltage before it can pass through mm-hmm. the body because skin is naturally, uh, a, um, um, doo, 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 doo. what do you call it? Conductor? Not a conductor. It's, uh, resistance. It's got a high resistance. Oh. So, uh, if your skin is wet, mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it, moisture is a conductor. Right. The skin is actually very highly resistant, hmm. so it has to reach a certain voltage before it's able to pass through, through the your skin. body in is a dangerous way. Is that the voltage in which uh, Zach? No, that's had really his that's actually really moment? high. Yeah, that's that's way higher. Hmm. Um, and that's when it can break bone and yeah, cause the lung convulsions clots. can you okay. know can break bones and cause the blood clots in the lungs, et cetera, et cetera. Ah, I see. Um, when it when it gets that high. But it'll kill you at the voltage that it's able to travel through your body and hit the heart and stop the heart. Mm-hmm. And the way it travels through your body, it may not hit the heart. Hmm. You know, because the pathway it takes through the body to get to ground right. could be could be all on your any number side. of ways. Could be on on your outside. Right side. It can it can pass and maybe not hit any vital organs as it as it mm-hmm. moves through your body, but if it hits your heart and mm-hmm. uh, has enough to, to stop your heart and cause the uh, fibrillation, mm-hmm. um, then that's when you die mm-hmm. instantly. Um, so you know it's not always fatal unless there's enough enough voltage to actually pass through continue to pass through and then and then stop your heart Hmm. interestingly they say that if you get electrocuted and there was no damage to your heart you just walk away Mm -hmm. and you you don't actually have to you might have to have some uh medical care on the exit maybe but they say you don't really need any follow-up the only time you need follow-up after electrocution is if it affected your uh, your heart mm-hmm. if your heart stopped and right. you have to be restarted um then you need follow-up care mm-hmm. but if you if it doesn't you know maybe you have to treat some burns mm-hmm. but uh otherwise you know say okay bob's your uncle away you go so that's all you wanted to know about electrocution bada boom 
And that's Science Corner. And that's Science um, Corner. Do you have a bone to pick? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, at the very end of the episode, when they find the kid, yeah, they go in there with automatic rifles. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? Is there a difference between a semi-automatic and an automatic? Is there an automatic rifle? Yeah, automatic rifles. You it sounded weird when I said you it. press the you pull the trigger, press the trigger, mm-hmm. and it just fires. Mm-hmm. Just fires. That's a fully automatic. Um, a semi-automatic only fires when you pull the trigger. So you have to bang, 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 bang. So it fires as fast as you can pull the trigger. Uh huh. But an automatic, you just fire, pull the trigger once, and it just right. Let's go. Yeah. So that seems to be what they were using. Yeah. An automatic weapon. So they go in there just spraying the whole warehouse, right. Ruby Ridge style, mm-hmm. at anything that moves. Mm-hmm. There's no way in real life that that kid survived. Yeah. No way. No, because he was tucked, well, he was tucked behind cover, presumably, but everybody in that warehouse is firing. And, and they're wildly. all tucked behind cover, and, and they're even, all dying. And even as the bad guys are dying, like they're spraying bullets wildly yeah. in the air, like a there's like a no John way Woo that action that, film. Like maybe he wasn't aimed at. Yeah, but there's no way he didn't get he didn't get a like, ricochet yeah. or going right through the whatever yeah, he was hiding sure. behind. Way too many bullets. No way. They didn't give a shit if no. he was in there or not. No, if you're going in to save a kid, that's not how you're acting. Yeah, yeah. There's there's gonna be something else going on. Yeah, yeah. So that's my bone to pick. What's yeah. yours? Uh, my mode to pick is that, you know, they bring in this company that's making bulletproof vests. Right. Um, and there's a lot of tension between the father who thinks his child was taken as a hostage mm-hmm. to keep him from talking about the company who made the bulletproof vests. So you have this, like, you establish this big bad of sort of, um, you know, corporate capitalistic uh, interests that are trying to protect themselves from being, uh, you know, from being exposed by this father. And they do so by doing something terrible, like kidnapping his child to keep him from talking. Mm-hmm. Like they, they establish that. Right. And then they get to the mercenaries. They find the kid, they kill the mercenaries, but then we are left with no, they're like, Oh, but what about the company that made the faulty bulletproof vests right. that, you know, was so freaked out that they were supposedly kidnapped this guy's kid. Right. And Bones and Booth is like, eh, whatever, they'll figure it out. It's not my job. And it's like it's like, well, as as an audience member yeah. who just watched this shit, you just went in and killed all these fucking guys and then that's the end but also fbi it is your job to actually catch all the bad guys right yeah exactly and like in fact one of the things they love to do is catch the people on the bottom so they can get to the guy on the top right exactly and we get no no satisfaction we got no satisfaction no so this like this like fucking capitalist out there you know, who possibly put this child in danger and, you know, used South African mercenaries to get to cut off his finger and kill his mom. Like, they're just out there. Yeah. Like, there's no resolution at all. Totally fucked up. Because the, the guys who were eventually killed weren't the bad guys, yeah. per se. 
they were the ones working for the bad guys. Yeah, and, and he and being paid. the fact that it's not his job. It's just it's totally his job to it was catch them. Such an unsatisfying yeah. ending. Yeah, a hundred percent unsatisfying. Agreed. Because why even establish that fucking guy with the the who made the who made the vests? Yeah, you know the, why even why even yeah. bring the company into it or his dumb lawyer? Mm. Like all of that stuff. There's just so fucking pointless. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, it just was really unsatisfying. And I just spent the whole episode giving me final thoughts instead of looking really into the plot. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Killed it at the end. Oh, fun fact, though. (laughs) Up to this program, Booth had 47 kills. This marks, this episode marks his 48th and 49th kill. How do you know that? Uh based on the the script and the information oh yeah was it stated uh no it wasn't stated in the episode oh but previously in previous episodes he says he had 47 kills in action as a sniper oh well how do you know he didn't kill anybody between being a sniper and that moment in time because i think he tells brennan at some point that he has 47 kills Hmm. And I think he would count them otherwise. Unless it was kills as a sniper versus kills kills as an FBI agent. Yeah, I don't I know. I don't know how he's tallying it. I don't know. It. It's, okay. like, it's like Gimli and and the elf in Lord ah, of the right. Rings <laughs> where they're going through at the Battle of Helm's yeah. Deep and he's yeah. like, they're counting 47, 48, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah. yeah. So I guess Booth is... That one didn't count. I did that one. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. All right. Do you have a final thought? I don't. You have a lot of them, though. So many. Hit me. Um, What am I going to choose? What am I going to choose? What am I going to choose? This is the one I'm going to choose. Okay. Given the choice, Mm -hmm. I avoid dread. Yeah. I love it. That's my final thought. Given the choice... I avoid dread. That was Booth. As we all should. Mm -hmm. Okay, folks, uh, avoid the dread. Um, And don't don't have any dread that we're never coming back. We'll we'll come back. We pop in every now and again. Uh, You know, and we we might have been a little overly optimistic with our timeline. Yeah. You know, we'll we'll get back into a rhythm here. But you know, we've we've got this one for you, lucky number eleven. Um, We've got this one. And thank you for uh, thank you for listening. And uh, we love you. We'll see you next time. We pop up in your podcast list, and hope you're enjoying your life. And yes, we love you. Um, and see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.